podcast. This is part two of the Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone episode. Let's go ahead and pick up where we left off. Okay, so we we have our, our flying lessons and then we have something else pretty cool that we find out about. It's this giant three-headed dog named, of course, Fluffy. What else would you name a giant three-headed dog? Exactly. You know, so imagine like Cerbus, the three-headed dog that guards the underworld. Mm-hmm. Pretty much that's him. Mm-hmm. Uh, real slobbery, uh, cute in a really terrifying way. <laughs> I would be the person that would go be trying to calm it down. Like, I yeah. just want to pet you. Exactly. Stop stomping at me with that one. This head's enjoying it. Yeah. Don't be snapping at me. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I, I we we come upon him when they're going up a set of stairs and the staircases move all over the building. So they end up getting taken to the forbidden floor that, of course, they've told is forbidden. Don't go right. there unless you. I think the phrase is "Do not visit it." Unless you wish to die a most painful death. Isn't that the warning they get? I think so. <laughs> I think so. If not, it sounds good. <laughs> we'll go with that. it keep me out of there. Okay. But yeah, so they somehow, like, accidentally, they end up getting pushed there. So they they go exploring, as young kids would do. And um, they stumble upon a Fluffy. Fluffy, Ron, and Harry are, like, screaming. Hermione is screaming, but also noticing there's a door underneath right. the dog because why not? It's Hermione, you know? Right. Well, yeah, but that's also the observation skills. And you yes. see some of that difference as kids age. Mm-hmm. The differences in girls and boys. Yes. Yes. And that is shown with your observation skills and what you notice. And when they get back, they're all up in arms about a three-headed dog. And Hermione mm-hmm. was like, it's hiding something. Didn't you see that? Yeah. So that's a really good point because, yeah. We do tend to observe things sometimes a little quicker than some boys. Not all, but Not all, some. But... Yeah, so now all of a sudden this is uh, spearheading the let's go find out what's going on even further, right. you know. And uh, unfortunately, though, like while they've just gone through this experience, Ron can't help himself. Becomes a little jerk sometimes. Oh, Hermione, Leviosa, you know, making fun of how she's saying things. and Yeah, he gets, he gets one-upped. Mm-hmm. In charms class. And yes. And he's less than happy about it. And mm-hmm. kids are mean. Yes, they are. Even yeah. to their friend who they just saw a three-headed dog with. And now we're going to go on secret adventures with. Doesn't stop them from being a little turd. No. It's definitely <laughs> mean between he gets one up. She's great at charms. Mm-hmm. He's struggling. Mm-hmm. She says Leviosa, not Leviosa. Yeah. And yeah. Then he makes fun of her and calls her a nightmare. Yes. And she, of course, overhears it. And so she walks by and bumps into him really hard purposefully. And then she ends up going and crying in the bathroom all day, according to one of the other girls. So they're all at the Halloween feast and she's missing it because she's upset, you know. Understandably so, I would have been her too in the bathroom being like, my God, everyone hates me. Uh You know, those emotions that happen when you're that age are fantastic. Hormones are wonderful. I don't know that fantastic's the word I would use, but yeah, <laughs> there's something. So we have the, the hormones raging, and so Hermione's upset, and you know Ron's just being a little d bag, and um, you know they're all getting to eat their special treats when all of a sudden Professor Quirrell comes running in. There's a troll in the dungeon, and then he just passes out. Right, he goes, "Thought you ought to know." Yeah, bam, <laughs> falls right over. Yes, and so. 
all of a sudden everyone just starts screaming and it was the perfect scream of like look around at each other as you're screaming and try and sort of one up each other with how loud you're screaming everyone's told you need to go back to your dormitories like you know follow your prefect person and go on back well ron and harry are like oh no hermione's in the bathroom she's near where the troll's gonna be Mm -hmm. so they rush off to go get her and it ends up being that the troll's already there (laughs) right yep they get there right after the troll has walked in Mm -hmm. and now hermione is looking up at it huh like oh my god you're here okay oh fantastic and then they hear it start Mm -hmm. she's trying to hide and get away and it knocks out the stalls and then they run in to save her Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. in the end hermione's teaching to ron that he was teasing her about yeah pays off yes yes it does we've come full circle from him being a turd (laughs) exactly now he's a hero she ends up you know mentioning how to actually correctly pronunciate things and so he ends up actually saying it and like while the you know troll is like having this big old club thing Mm -hmm. he's getting ready to like whack harry which was funny because every time he'd swing he'd move harry up yeah and he's like can you guys please hurry up you know So finally he goes to like swing and hit him and the club stops and then drops on top of his head. So that helps sort of knock him out a little bit. And then Harry ends up like shoving his wand up his nose Mm -hmm. to finally like, I think that's where we sort of cut that off, you know, was like. That's one of the things that seals the deal between having something that far up your nose and having your own club knock you out. Well, I mean, we're all sort of familiar with the up the nose thing with the COVID tests, so we've been there. Uh, clubs, not so much, but <laughs> no, right. I don't really want to experience that. <laughs> no, one. me neither. But uh, yeah, so I, I did going back though really quick to like the stall scene when he's striking the stalls with his giant club. Like, I really liked that part. I thought that was sort of a fun effect because all of a sudden all these like wooden shards mm-hmm. are flying all over the place, yeah. and Hermione's like army crawling on the ground. I thought that was sort of like a fun little. It was. It was well done. Mm -hmm. Most of this is. I mean, you can sort of tell, like when Harry's like up on top of the troll. There's a little bit of what looks like could be like CGI going on, uh but even then, it's not distracting enough to be like, "Mm, guys, right? So think about it. These movies were also made in the early 2000s. So yeah. A lot of what we're used to today, some of that top technology hadn't even been developed yet. Mm -hmm. But I think maybe I'm partial. Yeah. But I think these movies did a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. With everything that they were able to pull off. Yeah. And the acting, great quality. I didn't actually notice the CGI until we like recently watched it. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that is a little CGI. Okay. You know, as a kid, I had no idea. Right. You know, I couldn't pick that out. And I think it's held up very well this whole time. So we have Ron and Harry save the day, get Hermione. They get in trouble because they faced off against the mm-hmm. troll. The teachers, of course, show up after they've already taken care of business. And then we go on to our first Quidditch match, which I absolutely love the Quidditch matches. Mm-hmm. I think they're so fun because it's everything I want to do that I probably would be too terrified fine to do yeah so, <laughs> uh, so you know harry ends up being their their new seeker so he's got to go find this tiny little gold ball that has wings on it fly around and uh he's wished luck by snape when they're in the great hall eating breakfast mm-hmm. and he notices that snape limps away and they're like 
did Snape go see Fluffy? You know, they're still on board with Snape as the evil guy. Yeah. You know, he's he is our antagonist. And so they're looking at him a bit concerned. And then there's something really cool that comes in the mail, Casey. Mm-hmm. Tell me what came in the mail. His very first broomstick. Yes. And it was the Nimbus 2000. Like mm-hmm. we saw in the beginning, where all the kids were like, oh my God. And then we're looking in the window and it looks fabulous. And Harry had, at that point when he first saw it in the window, didn't know. Yeah. Didn't understand what Quidditch was or anything like that. And now he's on the team and he gets this mysterious package. And you even see it cross his face. Like, mm-hmm. I never get mail. Yeah. What is this? And, and there's a package on top of that. Yeah. And then it's a broomstick. Mm-hmm. And, but then you see him look over because he followed Hedwig. And Hedwig was with yes. our lovely Professor McGonagall. Yes. And so they do a little, like, wink, wink, thanks, mm-hmm. man, kind of nod. And, uh, you know, which is cool because you see her in the beginning of the movie help drop him off to the aunt and uncles. And so she's continued to sort of keep an eye on him, you know, this whole time, which is nice. Um, and sort of become, like, sort of a motherly figure, sort like of, we've yeah. talked about a little bit. So he ends up getting to enjoy this new broomstick. And they go into the, the match. And Slytherin plays dirty, as we sort of expect. Uh-huh. Bit, you know? Oh, yeah. You have no doubt with that. Yeah. Which, Wood is their captain. I used to have a big crush on him when I was little. Like, really? he's so cute. Um, so, yeah. So he gets knocked out, like, within the, the first few minutes. Then there's another character named Angelina who's, like, knocked off her broomstick and so now our Gryffindors are having to sort of scramble Mm -hmm. to try and figure out how they're going to do this. Well then Harry's broom goes haywire. Yeah it does. He's all of a sudden just getting jostled around all over the place Mm -hmm. and trying to hold on like he's literally almost knocked off his broom Mm -hmm. and nobody knows what's happening. Yeah. But then luckily Ron and Hermione and Hagrid see it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Ron wants to swoop in and save the day. But yes. Hermione said, no, no, we're not doing that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they're able to see what is happening. and all. But all they see is that Snape is not breaking eye contact and is muttering. Yes. So that adds on to his being the bad guy. Mm-hmm. And they think he's cursing him. Yes. So then Hermione sneaks away, which... We also see that she is very, she's very much so one for the rules. Mm-hmm. But so far, we've also, at this point, she's sneaking into the teacher's box. Yeah. And trying to set fire to people. Yes. <laughs> she's like, guess what? That robe is now going to be set ablaze, baby. Right. Just to break that contact. And yes. she ends up and is saving the day. Mm-hmm. And because after that, Harry is able to remount his broomstick and ultimately make this daredevilish jump off his broomstick. Mm-hmm win the game yeah yeah that was wild yeah he's like racing down with that other guy they're looking back and forth at each other so we're playing a game of chicken mm-hmm. and then you know of course like the other guy pulls off mm-hmm. and then he he reaches out with his hand and he just sort of topples over yeah and he gets up and one of my favorite lines of the movie is Hagger when he's like oh my god he's gonna be sick and you see harry starting to get ready to throw up but he spits out the, the snitch. golden snitch i i always like like that little part you know also just sort of going back to the hermione thing though so like you said she's one that likes to follow the rules so even when you see her breaking them it's very minimal Mm -hmm. you know she's like i'm just doing the bare minimum not to do enough to get bad consequences out of it so she's still very respectful of those boundaries she's just ever so slightly pushing them Mm -hmm. to make sure that she's able to protect her friends or do what right and do what's right yes because that's when you see her bend the rules like with Snape, she thought that he was breaking the rules and cursing somebody, mm-hmm. so she was going to set it 
right while also staying within those boundaries yeah so i i do really like that about her and how she's good moral compass Mm -hmm. but yeah so we we still have high suspicion on snape but everyone's celebrating because they just won their their quidditch match and it's you know now time for kids to get ready to go home for the holidays if they go home Mm -hmm. harry doesn't really have anywhere to go because as we know he came from an abusive situation Mm -hmm. so he's gonna stay at this place that he has fallen in love with right well, Ron and his brothers end up staying as well because the parents went off to, like, Romania to visit one of the older brothers mm-hmm. who, like, trains dragons yeah. and stuff. So. And then Hermione is going home, though. Mm-hmm. But before she leaves, that's our first introduction to wizard chess. Yes. When they are playing. And Hermione says, that's barbaric. Mm-hmm. And Ron's all smug about it because he just won against Harry. Yeah. Um, but then she also keeps them kind of on track for mm-hmm. what they need to be doing while they're still there. About yeah. doing research mm-hmm. from Nicholas Flamel. Yes. In the restricted section. Yes, exactly. So they are sort of pushed to go get a book from mm-hmm. that restricted section, like you're saying. Well, Harry is given the most awesomest of tools to help them go into this area they are not allowed to go into. And he gets an invisibility cloak on Christmas morning. He does. And that is after his surprise that he even got presents. Yes. Exactly. We, we see that excitement bubble over of, oh, wow, I have presents. And yeah. Even the funny with Ron wearing the sweater his mom made mm-hmm. him and Harry goes, what are you wearing? Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, well, my mom made it and I think you also have one too. Right. <laughs> so we get Harry's presents and how happy Christmas morning is. And then mm-hmm. he gets this one package that's not labeled. Yeah. There's a note with no name. Mm-hmm. He puts it on and it's like, oh, my body's gone. and. <laughs> Ron recognizes it as a cloak of invisibility. Mm-hmm. And it does remind me of like, I don't know if you ever toured a new studio when you were a kid and you went like on a field trip or anything. Mm-hmm. Well, they have it. So I've, I've worked in news right. for, for years and they have it to where when you're against the green screen, which is where the weather person will, you know, do their uh, presentation of what our weather will be like. Mm-hmm. There's a portion where they will actually give like a green blanket almost to the kids so they can do the disappearing body effect. Okay. And just have their head. Yeah. Yeah. So usually the kids will flip out. And typically, I mean, even like kids who are up into high school, like, oh my God, my body's gone. You know, like they're still sort of amazed. There's something fun about it. Well, yeah. You know, so yeah, that's something that it reminded me of now watching as an adult, obviously, because I I never toured a TV station when I was a kid from what I recall. But, you know, working in TV, I have gotten to see the kids really gleeful reactions to it, which is neat. So he, he ends up taking it and goes into the restricted section to try and find a book. But Filch ends up uh, stopping that from happening. Harry has to, uh, you know, invisibly run away and sort of get stopped up by Snape, who is confronting Professor Quirrell. Yeah, but he suspects and sort of senses someone may be near. So he starts like reaching out, trying to grab, and then he doesn't grab anybody. So then he like goes back to threatening Quirrell again. And Harry's able to get away into this room Mm -hmm. where we come up upon the mirror of Irised. Mm -hmm. And this is a really cool mirror. You want to tell about it a little bit? Yeah, so this mirror, other than looking fantastic, like something you'd see in a medieval castle or mm-hmm. something like Lord that. Lord of the Rings, you know. Yeah, it shows you when you stand in front of it, it reflects whatever your desire is. Mm-hmm. What, not just the, oh, hey, I want the new iPhone. Right. But like your deepest, what you long for. Mm-hmm. So that's when we see Harry 
see his parents. Yeah. And he runs all the way back to the common room with the invisibility cloak and wakes Ron up in the middle of the night mm-hmm. and was like, I saw them, I saw them, you have to come with me. Yeah. And takes Ron with him. And then Harry sees him again because he's the one standing and Ron's like, I don't see anything. And mm-hmm. so Harry positions him in front of it. But then we see that Ron sees himself with attention. Yes. And attention is a very broad umbrella for that. But mm-hmm. as the youngest boy... Of seven kids. I yeah, think it it's a lot of kids. <laughs> He's, I, I mean, Jenny's the only girl. Mm-hmm. She's the youngest. Yeah. But she is the only girl, so she gets that attention. And then mm-hmm. Ron is the youngest boy, but he has five older brothers. Yeah. So he's always felt the one kind of left out. Mm-hmm. So we see Ron want that attention. He yes. gets the house cup. He's mm-hmm. captain of the Quidditch team, whatever else it may be. Yeah. He gets that attention. But then with that, you see Harry be like, oh, well, I saw them. Because Ron was like, oh, maybe it shows the future. Right. And Harry brings it back to reality with how could it, my parents are dead. Yeah. So we do see some of that sadness, but also what different people desire. Yeah. Yeah. We learn what they have through that. Yeah. Of just like, and it was really sad. It was heartbreaking. I was like, Oh God, Harry. Mm -hmm. But you know, at the same time, it was easy way for them to sort of like narrow down exactly what it does. Right. And that sort of becomes a place for Harry to go Mm -hmm. and sort of get to visit his parents that he never really met. Right. Yeah. Cause throughout the rest of Christmas break, we do see him sitting there mm-hmm. it's always at night where he's not going to be seen but yeah he sneaks out with that cloak and then he's just sitting in a lot of the scenes that we see he just sits mm-hmm. there and is just looking until yeah. one night Dumbledore comes out of the shadows mm-hmm. and tells Harry a little bit about the mirror and then mentions that it's going to be relocated yes but Harry also asks Dumbledore what Dumbledore sees mm-hmm. when he looks in the mirror and Dumbledore says well I see myself holding a pair of very nice socks yeah. or something along those <laughs> yeah. lines. And that's all it, that struck me as odd the mm-hmm. first time I saw it, which I mean, I had read the book, so I knew that wasn't actually what he saw. Yeah. But how even Harry kind of tilts his head like, really? Just socks? Is it? <laughs> like just socks? But yeah. we see some more of that as we get into Dumbledore's backstory mm-hmm. in other books. Yes. But for now, the mirror does give Harry... It intensifies his longing mm-hmm. to have a family and to want his parents, but it also kind of gives him a place of peace. Yeah, Because exactly. he can't just go and be with them, mm-hmm. with air quotes heavily, going yes. around be with them. Yes, <laughs> yes. If you were to look in the mirror, what do you think you might see? Um, I think I would see some of my relatives mm-hmm. that I've lost. Yeah. I mean, I grew up, like, good family. Yes. Parents, brother, we always had everything we needed. Mm-hmm. Anything me and my brother wanted to try most of the time. Yeah. We were able to try it and stuff like that. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, sometimes I think that maybe I would see one of the opportunities I didn't take. Mm-hmm. Or something mm-hmm. like, you know, study abroad, stuff like that. Right. But yeah. overall, I honestly think I would see probably just some of my family members all together. That's a nice one. That is a nice one. I, I was thinking about it. Like I asked it. I'm like, oh, I don't have an answer for this. Um, so- well, that's just off the top of my <laughs> that's head. That's a good so, answer. I mean, because some of it is pretty recent that I've lost yeah. some people and mm-hmm. it's still very raw. Yeah. And thinking ahead to some things, but that they won't be there for. Mm-hmm. So part of me thinks it would be me seeing my yeah. whole family kind of around me. Yeah. But on another hand, just... 
maybe some of those opportunities that you think like, oh, that would have been really cool. Mm-hmm. But it's a woulda, coulda, shoulda moment. Right. Which yeah. does not do to dwell on those. No, no, it doesn't. And yeah, I think that's a really good answer. And, and I think... I think that'd be a lot of people's answers. You know, myself included. I have a very small family. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, a lot of those people who I have have passed away. Right. So I think, you know, seeing like my grandfather passed away when I was about five. Actually getting to have a conversation with him, mm-hmm. I think would be really cool. Also, you know, I, I lost my dog about, you know, three years ago mm-hmm. now. And he just was like the coolest little guy ever. He was a cat in a dog's body. Mm-hmm. Very chill. Um, He's a little rat terrier chihuahua mix. Adorable. Had the big old ears and the big old eyes. And I think, you know, getting to like have him would be in there as well. Absolutely. Um, Otherwise, if we're moving away from sentimental things. Right, I was going to say, we're both getting a little misty yeah, yeah, having the, the violin playing <laughs> in the background. Besides for that, I think maybe, you know, the places I want to travel to. Yeah. I've always really wanted to go to Ireland and Scotland. Mm-hmm. A lot of my family is from there. Australia is another big one. Sort of have slowly backed off that, though, because there's a lot of things that want to kill you there. So. Right, yeah. Australia, you always hear, like, the weird news stories. Yeah. They always include some sort of weird mutated scary animal yes like oh it's a boa constrictor but it has the venom of a giant tarantula that was thought to be extinct (laughs) and it has legs like a tyrannosaurus rex and it can run like a cheetah what well we're now talking about like one of those big dragon like lizard things yeah but it's australia like i wouldn't even be surprised if you see pictures and the spiders are as big as a door and yeah i don't want something as big as a hat rolling around in my apartment yeah. trying to bite me what but yes so and back on topic yeah speaking of like interesting creatures uh, hagrid had a baby dragon i want one yes his name was norbert and he was adorable and we got to see him hatch up at an egg you know so it's funny because he comes over with like these little mitts on and he's like oh, oh, oh it's hot and he like puts it down on the table and they're like what, what is that, Hagrid? And then finally Ron's like, blimey, it's a dragon egg. Because of his brother, he yeah. knows what those are. And I will just say that my apartment lease says that I cannot have pets. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know that it extends to dragons. I think they might have left it. I might have to see if there's a loophole and have to go find I, I think that you're right. And I think there is precedent for a loophole there. Because typically dragons aren't pets. They're just creatures. So, um, so. <laughs> put it all back with like a narwhal or something. Oh, that'd be awesome. Um, so yeah, just get a uh, emotional support dragon. Uh-huh. It'll be fine. Sure, things will be scorched a little bit here and there. ABI, you know. So, but yeah, Norbert was adorable. I want one. You want one. Everyone wants one. We just will probably never get it, but it's fine. So. <laughs> While they're looking at this cute little dragon and they see it, like, it's funny because it makes the noise of a chicken too. It's like, rock, when it, like, spits out a little fire kind of thing. And uh, Malfoy is looking in the window and then he goes and and he rats them out Mm -hmm. to McGonagall. So they get detention, but then he gets detention too. Right. He thinks he's exempt and you see it all across his Mm -hmm. little face. Smug face. Not exempt. (laughs) Yep. And then the smugness turns to realization of I just did myself dirty. Yep. I messed up. (laughs) And so they get sent into the forbidden forest, you know, because that's where apparently you do detention. Yeah. Looking for unicorns. Yes. With 
Hagrid and Fang. Yes, which Fang is a really Long big, shock. rumply, rolly dog. You mm-hmm. know, he just he has so many roles and it's so fun. He does, and he has the really saggy, floppy face. Yes. I don't know what kind of dog he is, but I don't either. I'll see if I can try and find it. But he's cute, and he's flowers everywhere. And it's even when they're in the forest, they're all a little bit worried about why they're even there. And Hagrid's like, oh, you know, this is a normal day. We're looking for unicorns. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, they were going to split up. And the ones that went with Hagrid mm-hmm. were like, okay, we're going to stick with Hagrid. And then it's Harry and Malfoy, which how they always get paired up, I, I don't know. know. Oh, but they're like, fine, then we get Fang. And even Hagrid's like, well, he's a coward. Yeah. He's <laughs> a wussy. <laughs> yes, which he is a Neapolitan Mastiff. So Fang is uh, said to be a boar hound or a Great Dane. But in the movie, they end up portraying it as a Neapolitan uh, Mastiff. Interesting. So that's from harrypotter.fandom.com. So, so we know it's true. Yes. And, uh, oh, the dog who plays Fang in the first two movies is actually like four different dogs. That, like, really? portray him. Yes. Hugo, Bully, Bella, and Vito are our dogs from that. So. Right. Well done, guys. Well yes. done. Yes. So, we have Malfoy and Harry go off with Fang, a.k.a. Big Wussy Pants. We have Hagrid take Hermione and Ron. Well, of course, if you're going to guess which group comes upon danger... Which group is it going to be? Not the one with the adult. Right. <laughs> you know? uh, and also not the one that doesn't have the boy who lived in it. Exactly. It's, of course, Harry and Malfoy. And they come across this unicorn that has been killed and is having its blood sucked out of it. Yeah, of something just kind of hunched over. And naturally, Malfoy's fight or flight instincts <laughs> kick in and he runs. Yeah, he's screaming, ah! as does Fangs. <laughs> Which I have to say, that's what my reaction would have been. Yeah. But yeah. you also see their fight or flight kicked in pretty fast with the flight running from danger. And then Harry yes. was just kind of standing there. He had the freeze happen. Right. Like, what do you mean? Where is your. Why didn't you just take off with them? You're 11. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but I don't know what I would do in that circumstance because the creature that is there drinking the blood is creepy. It has on a giant cloak. It's very wispy. It sort of looks like a vampire empire that's sort of decrepit right you, you know you can't even get a good look at all of it you just kind yes. of see the mouth sucking the blood and yeah the rest of it is just cloak but as soon as it realizes harry's there it floats up and then mm-hmm. floats toward him but you never see a body right or anything you just see a floating cloak yeah and then we have friends come and Yay. save the day i like him he's my fave um out of like the creatures that we we meet from the forbidden floor Florist, I almost said. The, the Forbidden Florist. That's a good company name. That is, though. So, I'll give it away for free. I won't trademark it. <laughs> um, so, if anyone who's located near Harry Potter World wants to become the Forbidden Florist. Have at it. Yep. It's all yours. <laughs> so, But, yes, the Forbidden Forest. He, he ends up jumping in the way to protect Harry. And, of course, all wispy over there decides to sort of wisp away. Yeah. And so, the danger is gone. But in that moment, we learn that... It is he who must not be named. Mm-hmm. We have friends end up sort of giving this information that I think we and Harry have been waiting for mm-hmm. quite some time. Yep. Because we know he was going to come back, but we just needed that confirmation. And so, you know, they, they want to tell Dumbledore, like, hey, we just ran into him in the forest and Dumbledore isn't there. Yep. And, and that's the only one who can protect him. 
it is and Dumbledore's not there and so they're telling this to Professor McGonagall and she is a little taken aback yes. by what they've experienced but with that too she also points out because one of them mentions the Sorcerer's Stone and mm-hmm. that it's going to be stolen and she is quite taken aback that they know about it but yes. even says it is so well guarded don't worry about it mm-hmm. go back to your common room if there is danger you need to be there not out and about yes and I don't think some people I think have said that she just wasn't believing them because they were kids. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think that that's it. I think that was some of her instincts to keep the kids safe kicking in. I think so too. And also, I mean, if kids found out about that, they don't need to be going to try to save that anyway. Right. Like, because what is down there protecting it, you would think is out of the realm of three eleven year olds. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Leave it to the adults, kids. You know, leave it to the adults. And yeah, I think she was slightly scared for Mm -hmm. them as well and was wanting to do the maternal thing and protect them. Um, Why exactly, though, is like this Sorcerer's Stone such a big deal, right? Like, why is everybody wanting to go after it? Well, like this thing, according to, uh, you know, one of our Hogwarts library books, Mm -hmm. it's a legendary substance with astonishing powers. The stone will transform any metal into pure gold. It also produces the elixir of life, which will make the drinker immortal. And it is Nicholas Flamel. Yes. So that's why everyone wants it. (laughs) Because you can live forever. Of course, old Balti is wanting to get his little grubby hands on it. Mm -hmm. So that way he can be evil forever. What do you feel like when they start to go on this adventure and they're just sort of doing it very willingly. They're like, now we've got to take this into our own hands. You don't know what you're coming up across besides for the three-headed dog. Like, that's at the beginning of the journey. If you're playing a video game and that's, like, the first thing, the boss is going to be, like, way worse than facing at the end, right? So, in this adventure, like, who do you think you would be most like? Harry, Ron, or Hermione? I think, at least at the beginning, I would be like Ron, Mm -hmm. where he is just screaming. From the first minute when they jump through the hole, the Mm -hmm. trapdoor, he is screaming. And then... They're trying to stay calm because they recognize whatever the weed that they land on is. Yeah, that it's gonna, double snare. Yes. That it's going to choke them and they need to be calm. Mm-hmm. But Ron's over here panicking. Yep. Screaming, kicking, flailing about. And then as soon as Harry and Hermione relax and go through, which mm-hmm. makes Ron panic more, which yes. would be me as well. Yeah, yeah. And then once they get him out... And he falls down to the ground and is safe from the devil's snare. He goes, wow, glad we didn't panic. (laughs) (laughs) As much as I would like to say, I would without a doubt be brave. I would be like Hermione saving the day. Uh, No, no. I would most definitely be Ron. Which, Ron is also the underdog Mm -hmm. throughout a lot of it. But he comes in when he's needed. Mm -hmm. But even then, he is kind of understated. But he's also, I feel like, the most realistic. Yes, yes. And stuff, so I would definitely, the glad we didn't panic line gets me every time. It does, yeah, me too. I, I feel like I would be along his lines as well in terms of like, I think initially after hearing like Harry and Hermione down there, I would have immediately stopped panicking because I'm like, okay, they're down there. They're obviously right. still alive. He still continues to panic a bit. A bit. <laughs> Being nice there. But yeah, I, I think I'd be along 
the lines of Ron as well. And then, uh, so they go in, they they get past the three-headed dog, they get past the devil's snare. And then we have them go into, like, this section where they have to get the key to a door. Yeah. Keys are flying. Yeah. So Harry sees a broom and he's like, I guess I've got to get it like I get the golden snitch. He, of course, gets the correct key after they do some, you know, uh, sort of skills of looking, observing. Okay, that one's probably the one. Right. Matching it to the door, but also... He gets it, but he's being chased by the other keys. Yeah. <laughs> so as soon as he gets the broom mm-hmm. and is flying, the other keys are attacking him. It's, yes. it's supposed to be another deterrent for anyone trying to break through. And, mm-hmm. But naturally, as with the teamwork, they get through. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. He throws it down to him. They catch it. They unlock it. And then he comes flying through the door and they shut it. And then all the keys like go kink, 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 kink into the door. <laughs> and it always makes me laugh too. I'm like, that's the noise. Yeah. Yeah. And then they come across a wizarding chest. Mm-hmm. And during that, I, I feel like that's really where Ron's moment shines, mm-hmm. where he's like, well, I know how to play this pretty good. So this is what's going to happen. I think I would have been more in Harry or Hermione's shoes at that point of like okay I'll just stand here and you tell me what to do because right. I don't know what I'm doing. I think for as far as the tasks go that we see I feel like chess would probably have been my stronger one okay out of the ones that we saw because mm-hmm. with the devil snare I would have been panicking yeah and then with the flying as we talked about I don't like heights mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. as much as I would like to say I would have been on that broom whipping it and yeah. saving the day <laughs> I think I probably would have panicked by the time I was a foot off the ground. Yeah. And be like, oh, this was a mistake. Yeah. This was a mistake. I think I could have caught the key real well if he threw it down to me. You know? Oh, yeah. I could have done that. I could have done that. So. I could be the supporting role. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can do that real good. At the same time, I do feel like it is in my nature to sacrifice myself for mm-hmm. other people. Yep. And so I can easily see myself also being like, well... Um, I'm the one who's going to go ahead and get on the thing that's going to be struck in the end. You know, I can see that happening. It is that realization that Ron gives himself a piece that is higher up. Mm -hmm. So he can see the whole board. Yes. So he can play a little bit better. And he also, he doesn't intentionally put his friends in harm's way Mm -hmm. because of the nature of the game. Yes. But then he does sacrifice himself at the end and they even try to stop him. Mm Mm-hmm. But he knows that it's the only way. Yes. And so they are able to finish out the game and checkmate and move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I am curious, though. So, like, they're having to get past the dog. They have to get past the flying keys that try and cut their faces off. They have to get past, like, the wizarding chest. How did Baltimore get past all of that? And they're thinking it's technically Snape who's trying to get past all these things. Right. How is he? getting past all these things well i think some of it which it discusses it more i think in the book mm-hmm. than in the movie yeah but because all of those enchantments that are there because there mm-hmm. are more enchantments in the book than yeah. there are shown in the movie yeah those were all put in place by professors mm. so that's at a good point Hogwarts. yeah so my assumption mm-hmm. would be that coral well they think it's snake but it's yeah. coral they think that they just knew how mm-hmm. to do each one okay or, I mean, it is Voldemort. He mm-hmm. is the greatest dark wizard right. of all time, mm-hmm. almost at this point. Yeah. There's a chance that he probably could have just whipped his wand around mm-hmm. some of them. Yeah. But, I mean, I'd guess that some of it, even if they had those enchantments in place where they couldn't just wand their way through everything, mm-hmm. my guess would be that he was able to know because Quirrell would have known about them or at least known about some of them. Mm -hmm. I I think you're right on that. Looking from like a kid's 
point of view. It's like, how did they get past? But then, like, I didn't recall it being set up by professors. Mm-hmm. So that makes perfect sense. Well, but you, it, you see it, uh, some more of them in the book. Because um, with the devil snare, that's obviously Herbology mm-hmm. and Professor Sprout. There's a potions one yeah. in the book that is obviously Professor Snape. Mm-hmm. There was the, I think the chess, I want to say, was McGonagall. Okay. Maybe. Okay. It lines them okay. out a few more in the book. And mm-hmm. at one point, there's like a, a fire one where you have to pick some, I don't know. There's other ones in the book, but I think some of it was because they were set up by some of the professors. That's interesting because, like, I haven't read the book in a while. So, for me, like, I don't remember some of those. Glad you know you remember I, more. But I, I Well, I remember at least, like, you, like, the extra potion ones and the other tasks or trials or mm-hmm. boundaries, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. I remember some more of those and it was someone said in there that they were set up by different people. Because, okay. like, Hagrid was fluffy. Yeah. So, that's a good point. Yeah, because looking here, first one was fluffy. So, yeah, Hagrid. Um, then we have the second one was Devil's Snare, which was Sprout. Mm-hmm. Then we have the third one, which was the Winged Keys. Mm-hmm. And that one would have been mm-hmm. Professor Flawick. And, and the brooms would have been Madame Hooch. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then we have the fourth one, which is the, the chess board. That is McGonagall. The fifth one, the Mountain Troll, was Coral. Hmm. So, but the, those are the ones that are in the movies. Yeah, and then the, the book also mentions the sixth one is a potion riddle, like you were saying, that one was Snape. So, they're actually just taking more so, like, I guess some of the, because the troll wasn't in the book in those, like, last portions, was it? Mm-mm. Okay, that's what I thought. The troll was, as it comes about at the end, the troll was Quarrel's mm-hmm. way to try to distract everybody yes. so he could get through the other ones to the stone. Okay, yes, okay. So there we go. We brought a full circle now. And then the mirror, of course, is uh, Dumbledore. Dumbledore. So yeah. very, very cool to see the connection there. I didn't make that connection until just now. So thank you uh, for bringing that to my attention. We have uh, all those things that have just happened. And then we finally have the great face-off. Mm-hmm. There's Quarrel waiting he ends up stripping off his little headdress and revealing that the whole time he's had old Voldemort on the back of his head. That puts a whole new meaning to two-faced and eyes in yes. the back of your head. Yes, it does. <laughs> yes, it does. And it's creepy. And, like, how would you feel if you had to have this dude on the back of your head the whole time? Right. You know? Which, I mean, Quirrell would have been totally cool with it because he's like, yes, Lord. Well, he would have had to accept it. But Yeah. But you also see... Harry is really taken aback. Mm-hmm. The fact that it was Quirrell. And then even he points out, well, yeah, it was me. Who would suspect? I was mousy. I was stuttering. I was yeah. a good background character. I went without notice. Mm-hmm. Nobody paid attention to me. Exactly. Yeah, like, even when he's talking, he's like, oh, Mr. Potter, you know, sort of just making this very, like, meek mm-hmm. kind of, you know, impersonation. But then all of a sudden he goes from, so, yes, I am powerful. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, of course it was me. Of course it was me, you fools. So we have the face-off, which... Um, you know, they're they're doing the whole like villain versus hero monologue mm-hmm. thing. Baltimore ends up having Coral like jump at Harry. Right. And grab him. And the moment that he touches his skin, Coral starts to burn away. Yep. <laughs> he starts to like just disintegrate into ash. Yeah, and this is all after they were trying to get the stone out of the mirror mm-hmm. because Voldemort slash Coral could see it. Yeah. 
in the mirror, but he couldn't get it. Mm-hmm. And all Harry had to do was look at it, and it appeared in his pocket. Yes. Because that also went back to the loyalty mm-hmm. that Harry had for Hogwarts and for good. So it really, yeah. you do see the good versus evil and the triumph that good will have mm-hmm. in this scenario. And that that perfectly translates to that moment because yep. Harry is supposed to be that icon of good. Absolutely. And obviously Voldemort is the bad. Yep. And so the moment that the bad tries to take over the good, nobody, you burn to a crisp. Yep. And then he turns into some kind of like like ashy ghost of some sort. Yeah, it's something we don't, you don't even see that stuff in Ghostbusters. Yeah, like what is this? <laughs> and then all of a sudden it comes like once again he gets wispy, you know, and starts wisping around the room and like charges through Harry. Mm-hmm. And well, that's when you're like, oh my god, is Harry dead? Right. And it's like, of course he's not because there's a whole series of this. But but, but that's not the point. Exactly. But in, in this that moment. moment, yes. You're like, oh my gosh, what happened is now, like, is Harry possessed? Is Harry dead? Is Harry injured? What happened to Voldemort? You have so many questions. Mm -hmm. And then they're all answered in the hospital wing. Yes. Harry awakens to find himself all cozy, comfy in a hospital bed. As cozy, comfy as you can be after you just had a fight with the Dark Lord. And he sees dumbledore mm-hmm. there and they have a nice little exchange and he's like immediately is is ron and hermione okay and he's like yeah don't worry about it just calm down he even asks about professor coral and nicholas flamel mm-hmm. he shows the concern for these people for one of them that just tried to kill him yep but also for somebody he's never met mm-hmm Mm-hmm. That goes. This is a lot about a person, yeah. in my opinion. I think so too. And like, also, we find out there's a connection between Flamel's actual still existence and mm-hmm. the stone. And like, once they pretty much make sure the stone is non-existent, Flamel's time also ends mm-hmm. as well. And so now that individual is making the sacrifice of, well, we never want something like this to happen again. Yep. So my time is now done. Mm-hmm. Um. So. That that happens, and I think that definitely was the right move, uh, you know, in the end. And then we have this sort of, like, comedic relief to this moment where Dumbledore's like, I haven't had one of these jelly beans in a while. <laughs> I don't want to talk about the jelly beans. <laughs> they were yeah. gross. Yeah, uh, no, I'm not a fan of the jelly beans, because at first we were going to talk about what we think our least favorite would be. Yep. And mine were really, I was going to have to say the tripe. If we were doing ones that they yeah. find movies, fishy yeah. flavors. Yeah, yeah, I like seafood, mm-hmm. but the fishy, the dead fish smell yeah. can't stand it or nope. the taste. Nope. I was gonna have to say like tripe or maybe even liver. I'm mm-hmm. not a liver fan. Would be my least favorite, but yeah. I've got to say I got rotten eggs, yep, black pepper, gross. and yep. earwax. Those mm-hmm. were quite gross. I will yep. still have to hold true to the tripe. Yeah, I, yeah. I do not want to come across a tripe one, but the rotten egg. That was bad. Um, I probably, I think I would do probably the most obvious one of vomit. That just grosses me out. Well, I I got that taste after I ate that rotten yeah. egg, so it was an all-in-one. Yeah, it was. It was a twofer. <laughs> it was a twofer. I mean, I have never had tripe. I've never had liver. I just automatically been turned off because of what they are you know right. and so i can't say like no i would definitely never like to have it but the sausage was gross enough for me to be like i don't want anything that's going to taste like an organ right like wait well, yeah, i was i've never actually tried cooked liver mm-hmm. some people like it yes they do i yeah. cannot get past the smell oh. of it it's kind of the same i've never tried sauerkraut okay because i cannot get past the smell okay okay the smell is so abrasive and gross that i just can't 
But yeah. I mean, and I, with the tribe, I like seafood, mm-hmm. but I do not like dead fish. Like that smell. Yeah. I can't. Yep. I, I get that. I'm on board with, with that answer. Yeah. So we then go on speaking of food. We go on to our final like meal in the great hall where mm-hmm. they're going to announce who the house cup winner is, which when you come in, it's the banners hanging with the winner on it. Mm-hmm. And it is green in that room. Slytherin has taken it home with the points. And I would like to ask the question of, okay, so do you think it was fair that during the award ceremony, like they already had tallied up the points mm-hmm. prior to the events that happened with the Sorcerer's Stone right. and Harry versus Voldemort. Do you think it was you know, fair to go ahead and have Slytherin be deemed as the winner, but then all of a sudden they add enough points to where Gryffindor ends up winning? So I think when you're dealing with kids, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. these are a bunch of, ranging from 11 years old to 17 years old. Yes. Okay. I don't think you can ever make that quote unquote fair. Yeah. Good point. But with that, you see it a lot, even with other races and stuff, that some sort of good deed mm-hmm. will boost somebody up. Yes. Like, it is just an example. Like, in a marathon, if somebody falls, if the person that was in front of them notices and goes back to help them, mm-hmm. sometimes that person, even if they don't place on a podium, will get, like, an honorary podium spot. Yeah. Stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, Harry really did just kind of save the world. Yeah, yeah. Theoretically. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, in the sense of you're dealing with a bunch of middle school to high school age kids, you're never really going to make it fair. Right. But in this circumstance, there was several good deeds Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. were done that were substantial. There were a lot of people coming into their own, like Neville. Yes. I think, I know we're going to talk about him in a minute, but like Neville came into his own. Mm -hmm. And even with that, giving those points to Gryffindor as opposed to Slytherin or to make Gryffindor win as opposed to Slytherin Mm -hmm. kind of carries on with that good versus evil. Yes. Because you see it develop through the series and even in the movie that Slytherin is this bad house that Mm -hmm. everybody that's bad has come out of Slytherin. Right. Which, you know, that's not necessarily true. Anyone bad can come out of any circumstance or relations, but you still see that good is going to win over the evil, mm-hmm. kind of. So, I see why they did it. I don't think as an 11-year-old I would have been too happy about it if yeah. I lost. Yeah, because, I mean, my question is, like, how much time was there in between when we saw Harry in the hospital wing and all this happened to them going to the Grand Hall? Right. Like, could there have not been an announcement prior to that which i know is not the theatrical thing to do Mm -hmm. and that's well you know i think some of it even in the hospital wing dumbledore says what happened between you and professor quarrel down there is a secret so naturally the whole school knows right he points out the gossip that everybody Mm -hmm. does know about it yes but with that you can't really depending on how many days that i mean harry's been laid out Mm -hmm. after everything he went through I, I mean, I, can, I guess I can kind of see how they would just wait and announce it mm-hmm. when he's conscious. Yeah. Yeah. But then again, if everybody knows, or maybe it was just to kind of squash some of the rumors. Because mm-hmm. as with any school, the series of events can be like, this is list A. This is what actually happened. Yes. But by the time you get to an award ceremony, you're back now on version Z. <laughs> yep. Telephone has been a fun game this whole time. Yeah. Yeah, so I just, for me, I saw it in the aspect of 
it was unfair to be like, Slytherin's the winner. Everything's dressed up with Slytherin. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, just kidding. By the way, 150 points to right. Gryffindor. Um, 155. Something, yeah. Yeah, because Neville got his points. So that's where I was like, well, that was just sort of like misleading. Mm-hmm. At the same time, like, I do see why they did what they did. So it, it, I'm glad I wasn't put in charge to make the decision. Let's put it that way. Right. Well, but, <laughs> you know, I mean, and it is, I'd say saving the world, regardless of when you do it, deserves something. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think more than 50 points, honestly. But <laughs> Well, but that's the theatrics of it. They yes. had to be tied with Slytherin. Right. For what Ron, Hermione, and Harry did. And then Neville had to be recognized as well for yes. being able to stand up to his friends mm-hmm. and try to make them stay within yeah. the rule lane. Mm-hmm. But even then, I think it was great that they still recognized him. I like yes. Neville. I do too. Um, so, yeah, I think I would have been pissed if I was 11 and I was on Slytherin and I was like, we just won. What? what? Right. Well, <laughs> and you do. You see that they are mad. Yeah. But you also see that the other three houses, mm-hmm. even Hufflepuff and Ravenclaw, are so happy that Slytherin didn't win. Yes. So, I, was it right? Maybe not. Yeah. It was laying groundwork, and it mm-hmm. wouldn't have been the theatrical thing to exactly. do. Exactly. <laughs> like, it's all about the theatrics, so uh-huh. that's why a lot of it was done the way it was. But, yeah, I was just like, man, I wouldn't have been so upset mm-hmm. if I was in there. Like, I sometimes feel for Malfoy because not everything that happens around him, to him, or by him mm-hmm. is necessarily his fault fault like yes he is deciding to do the things he's doing but later on in the series you see how much of an impact and influence his parents have on him and how evil his little snivelly father is yeah i am 100 percent on board of malfoy needed a second chance yes malfoy wasn't inherently evil it's his environment and his surroundings and I, mean, I am on Team Draco Malfoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, <laughs> 100%. I, I was initially like, oh, Team Harry, you know, all the way. But, like, as I've grown up through the series with them, mm-hmm. I'm like, I feel bad for him. Because you even see, like, we'll talk about it in later episodes when we do more of these movies. Like, you see the suffering that he's going yep. through emotionally. You see the constant conflict on his face, in his eyes. And it's like... That poor boy, his heart is being just torn to shreds in that mm-hmm. chest of his. So, um, definitely, definitely tough. But everyone gets excited besides for Slytherin, throws their hats up, and they're yep. like, yippee, another school year is done, Slytherin lost. Okay. Excellent. Now <laughs> we're going home. <laughs> yes. And so they end up, you know, going ahead to the uh, the last scene of the movie, which was actually the first scene shot of the mm-hmm. movie, where they're saying goodbye to Hagrid and getting on the train. And, um, you know, that was, like, really interesting to find out that the kids had, like, just met each other. Mm-hmm. And they were already supposed to have been bonded together. Right. You know? So, which... I mean, it seems like they all had a really good chemistry mm-hmm. since the auditions, and that's why they got cast together, you know. Um, so that was sort of fun. But, yeah, I thought that was really interesting. That was the first scene shot. Yeah, because I didn't actually know that until you just mentioned it. But mm-hmm. even in that scene, they do have a good chemistry. They're all really well in sync. Mm-hmm. They're, I mean, I don't know how much staging went into it right. and how many times they had to reshoot it, but I think they did a really good job. And they got mm-hmm. a lot of that emotion. yeah. In it, too, you know, of leaving from the first school year, of saying bye to Hagrid, mm-hmm. hanging out of the train, like, to go home, and 
even that was right after we see Hagrid give Harry a picture album. Yeah. Of pictures of his parents and stuff, which oh. Harry had never had before. That's so, so sweet. So that, sh- that shot does have a lot of that emotion mm-hmm. and stuff in it. Yeah. So, I mean, that was a sweet moment. I really, you know, I did like that. I'm glad you brought that up because mm-hmm. I forgot about it for a second. But <laughs> once you said it, I was like, oh, that's right. That was nice. You know, so it was sort of like... You can see him looking at that in his cupboard back mm-hmm. at his aunt and uncle's house yep. and sort of just, I know, striking the days off the calendar of when he got to go back. Yep. But that's a nice little solace for him to have while he's there at uh, Torture House, you mm-hmm. know. So uh, that's our, our first Harry Potter movie. And uh, now talking a little bit about its reception mm-hmm. and its success because we all know this has been a very successful oh, yeah. um, franchise. The The budget for this was $125 million. Okay. Wow. Oh, but they got that back. Don't worry. Oh, I have no doubt. <laughs> $1.007 billion. Billion with a B. Okay. It made bank and still does because you know it still is uh shown on tv a lot Mm -hmm. you know anytime i go to visit my my parents harry potter's on oh yeah and my father's like it's the third time this month you know (laughs) mom's sitting there watching it oh yeah there's harry potter weeks like twice a month it's lovely yes so she she like i said she ended up loving it more than me so anytime i go home which happens a couple times a year now um yeah, there's usually it involves Harry Potter mm-hmm. being uh, entrenched in our family time. Hey, that's okay. So, yeah, so I'm I'm fine with it. We had uh, Christopher Columbus who had directed Home Alone one and two, Mrs. Doubtfire. Ended up directing this one and the second Harry Potter movie. I believe I mentioned this that Steven Spielberg was possibly going to be involved at one point, but ended up dropping out. He said, you know, I was offered Harry Potter. I developed it for about five or six months with the screenwriter, Steve Cloves. And then I dropped out and I just felt that I wasn't ready to make an all kids movie. And my kids thought I was crazy. Steven, you are crazy. Uh-huh. Okay. So, yeah. But um, I can, I can get that. Like, yeah. Especially with somebody of his reputation, what he's used to mm-hmm. transitioning to a mostly kids cast would be different. Yes. And I mean, he does recognize the fact that like he knew it was going to be a phenomenon. Mm-hmm. So he recognized everything there, but he just didn't want that on his resume yet, you know? So um, that was with an interview with Digital Spy back in 2012, he said that. So he also had another director who was considered for the project, which was Terry Gilliam. He uh, was part of Monty Python, 12 Monkeys, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. And uh, he said, J.K. Rowling and the producer wanted me. Then Wiser People, Studio Heads, prevailed. I think Chris Columbus was a good fit oh, yeah. for this. The first two movies have, you know, for the most part, been pretty much my favorite. So then we had also something a little neat was Rupert Grint had drawn a caricature of uh-huh. Alan Rickman during one of the potions lessons. And Rickman ended up having Grint sign it for him. <laughs> so uh, just once again, attesting to Alan Rickman. 
And so obviously we liked the movie. A lot of other people liked the movie. It ended up getting nominated for three Academy Awards, several BAFTAs, which are the, a, a big mm-hmm. British award, and plenty more. So they ended up winning Best Costumes for the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films, along with 10 other awards. Actually, wow. over 10 other awards. Wow. So yeah, they, they were pretty well decorated. And this brings us to uh, one of our favorite parts of the show, which is where we present our award to the person, the place, the thing, whatever you want, (laughs) in the Oscar Mayer Wiener Award. All right, so Casey, who are you nominating? What are you nominating for this episode? So I actually have two. Okay, yeah, give your number one and your honorable mention. So my first one, I think, just needs to be a complete award that goes to the effects team. Yes. That behind this movie. I know that they were not on the screen, and I am not knocking any of the actors. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But the effects for this movie. Yes. The backgrounds, the locations, the props, all of it. Mm Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Agreed. Yes. Absolutely fantastic. And then my honorable mention... Which I am biased. I have said this before. <laughs> it's gonna have to be to Tom Felton. Love me, Draco Malfoy. Yeah, Tom Felton. I think did a fantastic job. He did. And even though he wasn't as much screen time mm-hmm. as some of the others, I think he really captured. He was as far as what I had in my head for what Malfoy would look like. Yes. I think Tom Felton personified that the closest as to any of the other characters. Yeah. Just from, like I said, reading the books, you, mm-hmm. I always build it in my head because I read these books before I watched the movies. Yeah. I had this idea of what everyone would look like and mm-hmm. how they would act their little ticks that everybody has yeah stuff like that in my head and tom felton was the closest as to what was going on in my head (laughs) very cool very cool yeah so i think he definitely deserves a a shout out for sure you know because ends up being he's a a really nice guy yeah apparently according to a lot of social media and whatnot you know he's really involved with like charity work and stuff Mm -hmm. i've heard the same thing that he is a really nice guy i would love i would love to meet any of them i would love to meet him yes definitely my award would go to, you know, obviously I, I completely agree with everything you've said. I'm going to throw a different one in here. Um, and I think people may expect this because I think this individual deserves a shout out. The late, great Alan Rickman. Oh, yeah. Snape. Mm-hmm. He may get another award for me at some point. I'm going to try and not do back to back here. Well, I was going to say, I was actually but, thinking of him for another one. Well, you go ahead and do him but, for another one then. And I, I will try not to do him again. He was supposed to be just such a great person and listening to podcasts involving Conan O'Brien talking to Dana Radcliffe you know he said you know there were so many people at the funeral that talked about how much he touched their lives how much he impacted them Mm -hmm. how amazing and great of an individual he was I have goosebumps um you know just all these really great things and you were like it wasn't just kids it wasn't just adults it was people of all ages and to know that someone you know took the time to have Rupert Grint at 11 years old sign and autograph something for him that he drew to take the time to go and watch Daniel Radcliffe's performances in theater Mm -hmm. and have dinner with him afterward and talk to him like an adult um, and give him career advice. You know, it just, it seems like he was such a really cool guy and he was 
great in anything he did and he lit up the screen. So I'm going to go ahead and, and give it to the great Alan Rickman. And if you would like to let us know who you would give your Oscar Mayer Wiener Award to, this is how you can get in touch. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at FRM Podcast. Email us at frmfan at gmail.com. And for that information and so much more, you can visit our website, frmpodcast.com. All right, and now it's time for our sweet endings. This is where we go ahead and give our favorite quotes from the movie. So, Casey, what was your favorite quote? I have a couple again. I'm not good at making That's decisions. okay. <laughs> Spill it, girl. <laughs> so, I really like the quote from Alan Rickman when mm-hmm. he says, Clearly, fame isn't everything. Yes, that to is Harry. Good. And I know that he says that really kind of sarcastically and begrudgingly, mm-hmm. but I think that that has a lot of truth and yes. that could be applied to lots of things in every day yes absolutely my other one is when Dumbledore is talking about Neville mm-hmm. and he says it takes a great deal of bravery to stand up to our enemies yes. but just as much to stand up to your friends mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. think that's really important and like we've been talking about being people pleasers and stuff like that which yes. we are both like that but I think that that one rings true for a lot of people you've got to stand up for yourself mm-hmm. even if the person is friend yeah creating boundaries is one of the most important tools in life yeah. i've learned more recently so hey, I'm still <laughs> <working> on it. <laughs> yeah oh it's still a constant work in progress but yes it is that's that's the one that's very good it's not my chosen one but it was one mm-hmm. on the list that i was like oh man this is a good yeah and it was hard for me to choose which one but i think this one sort of relates to me the most throughout most of my life. And that's why I chose this one. This is one that Dumbledore said, it does not do to dwell on dreams and forget to live. Mm-hmm. So easy as someone who is a creative person who likes to write, who likes to escape into movies, to want to just dream the world up around them. Yep. But to actually live in the moment is something that a lot of us forget to do. So I think that's a really important to uh to sort of remember from time to time so thanks so much casey for being with me today to talk about one of our favorite franchises uh thank you listeners for joining us for this episode of the foodies reviewing movies podcast also thank you to kenny and ned for providing the music for our podcast chris woods for providing the logo art also do keep an eye out as we are every single week this month going to be dropping a special little treat involving some of our friends we've already had on the podcast and some we haven't who are going to tell Awoken us their the favorite deep sleep. frightful a crew movies. Of space also, travelers are sent to investigate a mysterious beacon signaling episode. for help. But when the distress call turns hostile, the crew must face a new species of nightmare and learn that in space, no one can hear you scream. That and much more in the next installment of the Foodies Reviewing Movies podcast.